I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. All right, welcome back to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Dan and I am personally very excited to welcome our guest today. I've been a fan of Bark for a while as a tool, um, and I'm just I'm just so excited to welcome the chief parenting officer and the the marketing uh, brain behind Bark. Her name is Titania Jordan. Titania, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And as I was reading up on you, um, it was really interesting because as the chief parent officer of Bark US, or as I just say Bark. Um, you as an organization help uh, parents and schools keep children safer across social media, text messaging, the internet, email, all that stuff. And in this month of uh, national human slavery and human traffic or slavery and human trafficking prevention month, my thought was, gosh, human trafficking seems to start with this pulling kids in. I know it's more than just that, but, but, but my thought was, why don't we talk about children's safety, what bark does and all that stuff. So so I'm excited. So does that sound like a that like a plan for this episode for this this day? It's perfect. So if you would, can you let listeners know a little bit about what exactly Bark does then? Sure. So Bark is a company that was started over five years ago by a dad in tech. He was actually working at Twitter at the time and has two boys that, that were of the age where they were starting to use, you know, devices, social media, et cetera. And when he looked at the landscape of what existed um, and what didn't exist, he felt so moved to uh, start Bark because there was really nothing out there that, that could help in the way that, that families really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he left Twitter, he started Bark. And back to your original question, what is Bark? Bark is tech that keeps kids safer online and in real life. And we're using artificial intelligence. Uh, if you don't know what that is, listeners, don't don't shut down. <laughs> it's, it's, just a, it's just a fancy, way of saying tech, right? Um, but it's, it's using artificial intelligence to uh, scan for problems, uh, detect nuances in language, photo, video, audio, and then send an alert when there's an issue detected. And Bark, the, the software, will monitor uh, text messages, social media, email, iOS devices, Android devices, Chromebooks in some cases, There's a lot of different ways that kids access technology, either through devices or accounts. And that's what's so cool about Bark is that it can connect to the majority of them. It's uh, the most comprehensive solution on the market for this sort of thing. Um, So that's 
that's two things I've surfaced so far about what Bark is. A, it's software. B, it's comprehensive. Um, C, it is, you know, a, a safety tool for parents, much like a seatbelt or a bike helmet or a carbon monoxide detector. It's like that, but for your kid's phone. You know, when you give your kid uh, access to the entire world via the internet, there's some safety precautions you should take via conversations and then tech. And Bark is that tech aspect of it. Um, finally, to just give the full picture, because there's a lot, there's a lot to what is Bark and it'll unfold more as we talk more. But, you know, another thing that parents struggle with, even before they're worried about the content or the scary people that kids can encounter is just the time. Uh, and so Bark also allows for screen time control and, and filtering options as well. So you can kind of prevent that access in certain times of the day. Yeah. And, and in addition, I'd love to maybe get into this later in the conversation too. I, I've seen y'all's work in human trafficking and, and mm -hmm. prevention and like stings and helping authorities. And so like, there's, there's so much you do as a company. Um, yeah. So Titania, let's talk a little bit about that social media aspect. I mean, I, I have two daughters. Uh, right now they're recording their 14 and 15. Wow. Um, so I, so I have kids and they have phones now and my wife and I monitor, but it is, it, it is so hard, especially as they're, you know, using all these different apps they're, they're using, you know, Instagram and Snapchat and uh, email and text and, 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 and I've got a full-time job. I have a life. I can't sit and watch their phone the whole time. Um, no. So having this kind of a tool is amazing. So, so that's, that's just my statement. That's awesome. I love that. And I understand how important it is. Now, what I want to ask though, too, is as Bark is monitoring, um, and as we're talking about human trafficking right now, I know the term grooming comes yes. up. Is that part of what Bark helps me as a parent watch is that grooming behavior and certain keywords and things in their messages? Absolutely. And it's not just keywords, which is what I kind of went down a rabbit hole describing earlier with the artificial intelligence and the contextual analysis you know, um, any parent can pick up a phone uh, if they're spot checking and see really obvious signs. You know, if they go to their kids' text messages and see, hey, how old are you? Would you like to meet up? Like that is obvious morning bell grooming. Um, but there are also some not so obvious ways that uh, predators and adults uh, can speak to children and vice versa, not only through text message, but through DMs, through platforms that are not meant to be even for chatting, but have a chat function in them, such as games, et cetera. Um, they're using text uh, acronyms. They're not even using words. They're using emojis. And that's what's so cool about Bark is that it can pick up those dangerous signs that are sometimes in uh, you know form of a code. How can, man, uh, so I love that Bark does that. If, I, if I'm not using Bark yet, or even if I'm just doing my spot checks, what are some of those maybe acronyms or emojis that we ought to be looking out for that can lead to this behavior where and they end up meeting and then, you know, the worst case scenario can happen. What, are, what should we be looking out as parents? Well, <laughs> there's so much, right? There are so many that it would not be a wise use of our time for me to list all of them out because they're always changing. Whatever mm -hmm. we talk about today, they will, they will be different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just quickly, anecdotally, you know, if you see, you know, the eggplant emoji and the water droplet emoji next to each other, you know, your child is not talking about cooking with somebody, most likely. That's actually uh, a symbol for ejaculation. Um, I mean, and now that you know that, 
that's Pandora's box, right? Of just how you can use emojis to communicate things. And, you know, there's code that's always changing, like um, just, you know, code nine, nine, you know, that means parents are home where parents are not home. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot there. Um, So the point of this podcast is not for you to memorize a whole new language. It's for you to know that it absolutely can happen to your child. It can happen right under your roof uh, while you're in the same room as your child and you might not even know. Um, You could be sitting next to them on the sofa and think everything is fine. Maybe they're just playing a game or chatting with a friend and they're actually being methodically groomed and potentially abused without ever having met the person in real life yet. That's what you need to know. And so once you know that it's, you know, stomach turning and chilling and disturbing, um, but then you need to know, well, what do I do? What do I do about it? And, and so on that note, what do we do? You know, and I'd like to think that in our family, we're doing something right. We talk about this openly and we have for the last couple of years, even before they had phones, here's why at 12, you don't have a phone because of this. And some parents do it before and that's fine. I'm I'm not judging, but in our, we've, we've always talked about it is talking about it at least one step in the right direction. Oh, a hundred percent. That is the strongest, most powerful step you can take. Um, my son does have a phone. He's 11, almost 12. Um, he got a smartphone when he was 10, um, which I had not planned on doing. Um, <laughs> but he ended up going to a school that was kind of far away from home and wanted him to have the ability to text with me. Um, I didn't allow social media on the phone, but I wanted him to be able to text with me because the alternative was a smartwatch that only had speakerphone. And that's not really cool when you're 10, yeah. when you're trying to talk to mom. So, um, but, but backing up to the conversation piece, absolutely. And, you know, one of the most amazing breakthroughs that I saw with my son in regards to this topic was he was gaming on, I believe it was his PS4. I don't remember what game, maybe Fortnite, not sure. Uh, but at the top left, there was a chat function. Um, and there was somebody messaging him like, hey, are you horny? Uh, are you looking for a good time? And click this link. Now, could it have been a bot? Sure. But could it have also been a predator, or just a disgusting, troubled person? Yeah. Right. Now, he had a few choices. He could ignore it. He could tell me. He could hide it. You know, there's a lot of things he could do. He told me about it. He came to me and said, Mom, look at this weird message I'm getting. And I thanked him for sharing that with me and let him know that, you know, it's not his fault. And he wasn't going to lose his access. Like, I'm not going to punish him and take away his game or his PS4 for sharing that with me. He didn't do anything wrong. And uh, so that to me was a a trust building exercise and letting him know he can talk to me about the most awkward, uncomfortable things. We'll get through them together. And he doesn't ever need to be afraid uh, to share those things with me. Cool thing about that is that uh, I also got a bark alert because there was a text-based conversation around that same sort of thing as well. So if he hadn't felt comfortable sharing that with me, thankfully, Bark would have brought that to my attention. Um, So I rabbit hold a little bit about that one specific instance, but I cannot emphasize enough how frequently you need to be talking to your children about the toughest issues because they're encountering them more. It doesn't mean that there's more bad people out there or the world's just gone to, you know, heck, but they just have more access. You know, when we were kids, we had like a few, you know, cable channels, 
and then like our friends, like in real life. Right. Now kids have TikTok and uh, gaming and the internet and just just exponentially more ways to encounter life mm -hmm. and the best of what the world has to offer, but also the worst. And so they're going to come across things like pornography and cyberbullying and mental health issues and discussions of uh, you know suicide and depression at a much younger age. And you're their safe place uh, as a parent. You know you need to impart uh, healthy physical activity and healthy meals and healthy sleep schedules, all these things that you do for your children in real life, you can't neglect the digital part of their life too, especially when they're spending upwards of eight hours a day online. Yeah. And that's just for the online school right now. Oh that's, my right? gosh. Oh my gosh. Don't even get yeah. me started there. Yeah. Unless you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we face the same thing here at home. Um, and it's just, it's so like, like you said, Titania, it's, it's not that there are more bad people in the world necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know if we know that or not, but like, I don't think that's the case, right? It's, it's the access and it's mm -hmm. the ease with which they can reach us. And we talk about a DASIS anyway, how so often, you know, sexual assault in particular is not a stranger waiting in the bushes to grab you. Yep. It's somebody that, you know, mm -hmm. with, with trafficking, mm -hmm. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe there is obviously that internet connection and that grooming. And so there's that going on. How, like, I just, I don't even know what to ask. I mean, is that what you're seeing at Bark and, and the work that you do is that it, this grooming and trafficking behavior, it really is the strangers doing it over the internet? Yeah. I mean, cause here's the thing, uh, uh, sexual abuse, uh, you know, happens frequently with somebody that your child or your family knows, uh, which is different in in some ways from trafficking because with trafficking the intent is to um you know remove the child from their home entirely and get them into just a terrible terrible situation and those encounters uh, are on the rise because it's more lucrative now thanks to the internet um unfortunately there are sites where you can buy and sell uh humans children didn't exist before the internet. And so yeah. it's ramped up. Um, the ability to communicate and groom children digitally uh, is amplified and it's easier. You know, also kids are lonely, kids are bored, kids are isolated and the predators and traffickers know that. And so they seek to build a relationship and even uh, extort or sextort kids um, and guilt them and shame them into um, this terrible, terrible lifestyle. Um, you know, kids are gonna make bad choices. They're kids, um, they deserve grace. But let's say they think they're in a relationship, a digital relationship with a, a peer and they end up sharing, you know, compromising photos. But then that peer turns out to be an adult who's trying to trick them and then comes back to them and threatens them and says, hey, if you don't send me this, this, and this, uh, I'm gonna send this photo to your parents. I'm gonna send this photo to your school. I'm gonna let everybody know just you know what you're like and how you're about. Um, and so that's the form of sextortion and kids are being you know tricked and abused into this sort of media and into doing things they don't wanna do and they're being pressured. Um, it, I mentioned the term tricky people just a minute ago and that's, that's something that you can use to speak with your children at a younger age, you know, because not everybody wants to talk to their six-year-old about sex, trafficking, pornography, et cetera. 
totally understand. Um, but what you can do is talk to them about tricky people and how the internet is so cool and so great. YouTube is fun. Games are fun. We get it. But there's also some people online who aren't who they say they are and they might seem really nice and they may offer you gifts and they might even claim to know things about you or your family because of a Google search. Uh, but you have to be wise and you have to be strong and never, ever, ever give out PII. That's personally identifiable information. Uh, your real name, your address, um, where you go to school if you're fortunate to be in a physical school right now. Just anything that can identify who you are, who your family is and where you live. Um, and that will help to protect you, child, against the tricky people. Um, kids, kids can grasp at a very young age the concept of, you know, good guy, bad guy, tricky person. And, and I thought I was thinking as you were saying this, uh, similarly, we've talked to our girls about that stuff and we've told them if for some reason, like they know not to send pictures, even, you know, as, as young ladies, bra pics, like mm -hmm. don't do it. Don't and do they've it. been asked again of and course, again. That's, that, and that's another thing, let me interrupt real quick. If you don't think your child is going to be faced with that situation, think again. I've spoken to middle school principals who have told me sexting is the new first base. You know, we had to worry about our first kiss. They're worrying about sending their first pick. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation. It's all good. Um, <laughs> and we told them like, like they said, we'll never do that. And I said, okay, awesome. That's great. However, if somehow that happens, you've been caught in a mistake. You've made that like, don't be ashamed to come to us and talk to us. As soon as it happens, come talk to us. Um, and so like just having that open dialogue, I love that you and your son talked about that in the gaming, because that's a thing too my youngest daughter games and has constant, you know, ability to chat or even just talk on the headset. And, and so like to not have that shame to be able to say, I made this mistake because at the end of the day, if you're sending a pick that is pornographic, it is still child porn, even if another child has it. Right. I mean, it's still child porn, no matter who well, has it. And the more technical term for it is child sex abuse material okay. uh, because um, pornography, you know, has a certain connotation. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if there is nude or material of a sexual nature, graphic material of children, it is child sex abuse material because they are a child and uh, should not be subject to that. And it's in some cases illegal. Child sex abuse material. Or CSAM, if you want to abbreviate it. Yeah. I, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't yet heard that. So I learned something new. Um, yeah, it's, it's, man, it's insane it is insane what our, what our kids face. And like you said, if, if you think they haven't had this exposure, think again, it is, I don't know if it's a hundred percent cause that sounds so scary, but like, it is not, it is not it, rare. Um, I mean, per our data at Bark, over 70% of teens and tweens, that's kids as young as seven, eight years old have experienced sexual content uh, online. Now yeah. that might ne necessarily be grooming, but it is content of a sexual nature. Photos, videos, language, et cetera. It used to be able to walk through the grocery store and see a mag like Cosmo or something that was like, that's a little risque. Right. With like now, headlines. Right. Now it's yeah. just like un unfettered. <clears throat> um, so, so what, uh, let's talk a little bit about what else Bark does. I know I remember seeing a news story a while back about um, one of, one of the Barks folks going in with authorities to create a sting. And, and she went yeah. in and looked like she, she basically posed as an 11 year old. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, those efforts from Bark. What does that look like? Yeah. So as a marketing team, our job is to tell 
very impactful stories in a way that stick with you. And we could share our data all day long. This many percent of kids, this many predators escalated. Um, but for you to actually see what it's like to be an 11 year old in the world today uh, is a very jarring and a very different way of storytelling. Now, we obviously didn't want to uh, traumatize an actual 11 year old, um, nor did we want to reach out to families who had been through this and have their children share their stories with us, again, for the traumatization and their privacy. So we decided to go undercover as a variety of different personas and a variety of different ages with a variety of different employees at Bark. And uh, one particular one we documented uh, and a piece that went incredibly viral. Uh, you can go to YouTube and, uh, and, and search for it. It's received, I don't know, tons of tens of millions of views and um it's you you know we we expected to put the personas out there and maybe get some messages over the course of a few months maybe and instead it was in within minutes within minutes we had adult men sending our personas dms of an inappropriate nature wanting to chat wanting to uh, live chat video chat wanting explicit uh media from a child who was fully disclosed as an 11-year-old, a 15-year-old. And the younger the personas went, the more depraved the request got. And that was one of the most disturbing things from that that we found. What do we even do as a society to combat this? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, we need enough police officers and officials trained in uh, this particular area of crime, um, you know, the, the Child Rescue Coalition, an amazing organization based in Florida, has a map. They, they put up a, it on the screen for me when I visited them to show every single computer in the world that had CSAM material on it. And they know this because of, you know, file sharing uh, tech, et cetera, that is unfortunately, you know, shared with people who like this sort of thing. Um, and my first question to them was, why is there not a police officer at every single door right now getting that device and arresting that person. And they said, because there aren't enough officers. So we need more. Yeah. Uh, we also need more stringent laws. You know, I was shocked to find out during our investigation that uh, material shared from the waist up, photos from the waist up of a child uh, is not necessarily illegal um, or enough to, to arrest someone. Things like that. I don't know who made that rule but that needs to change. Yeah. Um, and also sentencing, you know, if a predator does what a predator does and only goes to jail for two weeks, it's not going to deter them. Um, so we need stronger sentencing, stronger laws, more severe punishment and more awareness. If, if people don't realize that this is actually happening at a much more frequent rate than they thought, they just don't think it's going to ever happen to them. Yeah. When it does happen, <clears throat> And as a parent, I, I realize it, whether I get an alert through Bark or I find it or whatever happens, my kid comes to me, what, what's my first step? What do I do besides oh, just gosh. freak out and cry? <laughs> like, Yeah, well, do that internally because <laughs> you don't want to further traumatize your child. I mean, it's okay to you know cry with them in solidarity, but um, gosh, just first of all, if that has happened to you, I'm so sorry. Um, there are really no words. There's really nothing that can make it better. 
that said, uh, you know, no, you're not alone. Know that it has happened to parents who are very good parents who have done everything they can do to try to protect their children. Sometimes really bad things just happen to really good people. So if that happens, uh, your child needs to know they are not alone. They are loved and it is not their fault. They should carry no shame and no guilt uh, and you're there for them. Um, ideally, uh, document what has taken place, um, whether it's taking screenshots of messages before they disappear, uh, dates, names, usernames, uh, often it's not the person's real name, uh, IP addresses, if you know how to get that sort of thing. Um, it's important for you to reach out to your local law enforcement professionals because they do know how to help guide you through this. They can help you document what has taken place so that you can turn it over to not only the authorities to investigate and hopefully arrest and stop this from happening to others, um, but also provide that information to the social media platforms so that they can shut those accounts down and block those IP addresses from reinstating. Um, unfortunately, it's not an easy path and whether or not you pursue legal action or justice, it is very important to get your child and yourself therapy. Um, the ramifications of abuse and sexual abuse, even if it didn't ever happen in real life, are, are far reaching and long lasting, sometimes may not affect you until uh, your adulthood. And so it's important to get your child uh, therapy from a medical professional to help them heal. Yeah. And it is, it's interesting that you said in real life, I feel like real life and digital life have become so synonymous, so blurred, so, so much the same. It doesn't yes. matter if you're sending me a DM that tells me you're going to kill me, or if you show up on my doorstep and tell me that either way, I'm traumatized. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. So is, is now I, I don't know how to answer, ask this without sounding like I'm trying to ask this. <laughs> if, if I see that somebody has asked my child for nude pics, mm -hmm. is that something I can call police about? Or is that something Absolutely. that we monitor and say, don't do this? Like, no, no, no. You take a that screenshot. Okay. That it, no, you know that you take a screenshot of that and you call your local police department mm -hmm. uh, and say, somebody is soliciting nude photos of my child. Where do I go now? They might handle it or they might turn you over to the, uh, you know, Bureau of investigation for your state, uh, that does handle child sex crimes. Um, but yes, you should like, don't sit on that okay. because unfortunately it's not typically a one-to-one -one thing that person who is asking, or perhaps that bot that is asking, uh, has multiple victims. Gotcha. So nothing's too minor. Get on it right no. away. Yes. Good to know. Good to know. Um, what kind of, like, this is really heavy stuff and kind of scary. Yeah. What yeah. kind of, what kind of hope do you look to, to make sure that a, you're keeping your sanity, uh, but also giving to parents, like there is hope. What are oh, some yeah. good stories that have come out of this? Oh gosh. Um, well, the fact that our documentary called Stonefish um, went viral is hope, right? Before we went undercover and showcased what it's like to be an 11 year old on Instagram, 17 million people didn't know. Yeah. And now that many people 
now know that it absolutely can happen to an innocent teenager who's posting pictures, not even teenager, I'm sorry, tween, 11 year old, who's just posting pictures of coffee mugs and flowers and her puppy. Um, So that gives me hope that the awareness has taken place and it was picked up by, you know, Good Morning America and, and, and Dr. Oz and other outlets really brought a lot of attention to this and help uh, parents just think again. So that gives Mm -hmm. me hope. Um, It gives me hope that people like you are asking people like me to be on their podcast because repetition and awareness is critical until we get the people in positions of power who write the laws, who change the laws to change the laws, we were going to keep talking about it Mm -hmm. uh, so they can't turn a blind eye. Um, So I'm hopeful that we will continue to, to make strides there. And then finally, I'm hopeful, you know, for tech. I mean, we're, we're developing new ways to help protect families and children and schools every month at Bark you know, whether it's limiting the ability for the material to ever be uploaded to the internet and so that can't be distributed. Like there's a lot of promise that that tech holds as well for stopping this from even happening. So technology isn't necessarily this big evil that we need to avoid or worry about or keep our kids completely sheltered from. No. It doesn't sound like, it's just a tool. It is a tool. It is absolutely a tool and, um, I co-authored a book with my colleague and dear friend and dad, Matt McKee, this year called Parenting in a Tech World. And one of the premises behind that book is the the differentiation between creation and consumption. Um, My hope for my child and many children is that they are spending less time just passively consuming media, uh, you know, gaming, social media, et cetera, videos, and they're using tech to create. Like if you want to be online, use YouTube to learn how to play the guitar. Um, go to Skillshare to learn how to paint. Uh, use Adobe to learn how to design. Uh, you know, like create. Use tech to create. Use tech to connect. Like tech is great. Zoom is great because you and I are now having this uh, conversation. So it's it's creation uh, over consumption. I like that creation over consumption. And hey, you never know. Your kid might be the next YouTube star that, yes. you know, makes you makes you makes you rich. No, <laughs> I love that. Um, what what haven't I asked? Whether it's in relation to bark or human trafficking prevention or just internet safety, what haven't I asked that you want to make sure parents are hearing right now as they're listening? I think parents are so overwhelmed. <laughs> the day they become a parent, uh, much less with parenting in a digital world. And so I think it's critical to provide them with easy, easy ways to get support. And so one tip I love to share with anybody who's interested is the fact that there's a free Facebook group called Parenting in a Tech World. Um, it's over 90,000 parents who are having these discussions in there. And they're very candid. You know, there are families that share stories of how their children were almost trafficked because of snap maps on snapchat and so it's just a you know if you're looking for a community and you're not quite sure where to turn go to parenting in a tech world free facebook group um also you know i mentioned the book parenting in a tech world you should get that on amazon mm-hmm. um you know our company bark technologies is constantly creating educational materials to help parents you know you want to know what you need to know about discord or Snapchat or TikTok, 
uh, go to our website, bark.us. There's a link to our blog there. We keep it updated. We have some of the best writers in the world uh, and investigators looking into what you need to know to, to help you and an email newsletter as well that you can subscribe to. That's um, full, of, full of great content. Um, and I encourage families to have the hard conversations with other families. You know, so often we are very uh, surface level when we're communicating with other people. You know, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you really doing? Yeah. What is it really like to be raising a 12 year old right now? Let's have those tough conversations. The reason for that is you and I and, and everyone listening, we're the first generation of parents that are parenting in the tech world. Before us, families had tons of years and decades and centuries of experience with the basics of, you know, breastfeeding and first steps and discipline and you know, all of the things, right, that haven't changed since humans have existed. But this is a very different element to parenting and we need each other. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. And if we can be that village, especially in this tech world, um, how much more powerful are we than the predators out there, right? Absolutely. You know, we're all, we're all just figuring it out together. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. we're just figuring it out together. So we need each other. Yes, we do. Excellent. Well, Titania, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Um, thank you for the work that you all are doing at Bark. I look forward to future conversations. Um, listeners, go to bark.us, uh, look up Parenting in a Tech World, and just look up Titania's uh, content out there in the web, on the web. So um, thank you again, friend. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.